where do you start this week? Lackluster performances from the Dons against Hamilton midweek in the league and St Mirren in the league cap on Saturday. We hear from Derek McInnes on the dismal Dons displays. Plus, the return of fans, not just Apogear, with the SPFL and Aberdeen chairman Dave Cormack piling on the pressure on the Scottish Government. And we have all the usual news and supporters updates on the AFC Dons cast on Tuesday, the 1st of December. make yourselves indispensable. Why are you here? I only ever want to be judged on the strength of my abilities. And paid for it. Feels weird to be in a position of power here. What are you going to do with it? No rest for the wicked. Nothing good ever happens past 2am. Everything good happens past 2am. <laughs> Wake up! I don't think you should be here. You can't trade your way out of this. It's reckless. We both know what you're capable of. And this is a play for the end. Industry on BBC Two and iPlayer. down to Christmas is on and welcome to the AFC Dons cast with me Graham Mackay two dismal Dons displays sums up a week of frustration for the Red Army Hamilton Ackies and Aberdeen drew one all at the fountain of the youth stadium in Wednesday's Scottish Premiership game Ryan Hedges gave Aberdeen the lead after 19 minutes but Marius Okampo equalised for Brian Rice's team early into the second half the draw was enough to lift Aberdeen to third place in the table while Hamilton stayed bottom but moved to within three points of St Mirren Disappointed we didn't win the game, although the point does take us up to third place. Yeah, yeah, certainly we came into this game looking to win the game. Um, we put in a performance that probably warranted um, the three points. It was a battling performance, it, we worked hard. Um, probably could have made more of our possession in our play in the first half um, and, and put ourselves in a, more, in a better position. And obviously while it's 1-0, we run the risk of... Um, of what, in my opinion, is, is a goal that's, I think he's offside, and I think um, if he's not the, the, the chap, the guy in, right next to him is, um, he was certainly playing a part in the, uh, in the play. So, um, yeah, it's disappointing, but obviously, if you don't put the game away and you, and you, and you leave it a, a one goal um, difference, then you run the risk of, of a mistake or um, you know, an official's mistake or a playing a playing mistake that, that, that can cost you the three points and that's what's happened today, I think. Disappointed not to come away with a win. I thought the performance was good enough to get a win. I um, thought we settled into the game very well. I thought the movement was good at the top of the pitch. Um, I thought we had good control through the midfield, through Funso and Dean. 
um, and we looked very comfortable at the back for the majority. Um, we we deservedly get in front. I thought we could have um, and should have been more than maybe one goal up for the good in terms of level of performance, but. Um, 1-0 away from home at half-time, it's a good position to be in. We spoke at half-time about Hamilton would do something, maybe change their shape and come after us a wee bit more. Um, although they did go with front two, I thought we dealt with that in the main. I think they got a free kick that's never a free kick for the goal. Um, and we're, you know, it's come back to bite us because you know, I need to see it again. The reason I took so long to come out, I was looking for a better angle, but we, we hold a line for a reason um, in these sort of situations. We're maybe a touch too high for an in-swinging free kick. Um, but for me, the boys half a yard outside. But like I say, I need to see it again from a better angle to be sure about that. But I thought my first impression was I thought he was offside, and uh, and if that is the case, we're disappointed because it gives them energy, it gives them encouragement, and to lose a goal from their first attempt on really on their goal is disappointing. On to the disaster that saw our league cap hopes extinguish in front of us on Saturday evening, this time away to St Mirren. A late slip-up by Joe Lewis gifted St Mirren a 2-1 win and a place in the league cap quarterfinals. St Mirren took the lead through Elke Dermis in the fourth minute and could have doubled their lead when Richard Tate hit the post. Now McGinn levelled for us just before half-time before a terrible second half was decided in the dying minutes of the game. Jamie, Jamie McGrath's shot from outside the box slipped through the grass while Joe Lewis to put the baddies through. A lot has been made about the loss of players due to injury and COVID-19 self-isolation but there should have been more than enough strength and quality in the squad to overcome St Mirren. A disgraceful, mediocre performance from the Dons as we bow out of the league cap and ultimately it should be piling pressure on Derek McInnes to make improvements. This weekend, St Mirren in the league. Derek, a desperately disappointing evening. Yeah, um, you know, I thought uh, a lot's a mistake for Joe and people might think um, remember that, you know, we're just preparing ourselves for extra time. Um, but the, we, we lost the game in the first half, you know, and that for me, um, we didn't look ready to play, we didn't compete well enough. The first goal epitomised really the, who we were. We were dipping in the middle of the park to react. We were playing catch up after that and we have to give away a poor uh, free kick in the edge of the box and they took full advantage of it. Um, and we never get out the bat at all first half. You know, we get an equaliser, but I wasn't a kiddie, but I felt that we needed to, um, we were the luckiest team in the world to come in level. Um, and we had to change things about. Um, we matched up the system, so there was a bit more responsibility individually for each, each player. We played against their direct opponent and we demanded more responsibility. I thought we were, we'd at least got that without being brilliant, um, but I thought we were clearly better uh, second half than we were in the first half. And just by being more competitive, by getting against our direct opponent, by not letting someone enjoy the game as they were enjoying the first half, we actually give ourselves a chance to win the tie. Um, I thought we had a couple of penalty shouts uh, I haven't seen back, um, but it looks as if it was going to extra time before um, uh, uh, Joe's mistake. OK, in the other games in the League Cup, Jamie Murphy scored the only goal as Hibs beat Dundee 1-0 at Easter Road to reach the League Cup quarterfinals. Livingston thumped Air United 4-0 at the Tony Macaroni Arena with all the goals coming in the first half, while St Johnston came from behind to beat Madewell 2-1 at Spur Park. Dunfermline Athletics off Championship rivals are both 3-1 at Gayfield. Alan Troughton's extra-time penalty earned Allo Athletic a 1-0 win over Hearts at the Indro Drill Stadium. On Sunday, Ross County ramped up the pressure on another Premiership manager after they won 2-0 against Celtic in Glasgow in the League Cap. Ross Stewart opened the scoring from the penalty spot six minutes before half-time and defender Alex Ayakoviti sealed the victory with a header in the closing minutes. Rangers were 4-0 winners against Falkirk. 
The draw for the League Cup quarterfinal took place on Sunday and these matches will take place midweek from the 15th to the 17th of December. It's St Mirren versus Rangers, Allo Athletic versus Hibs, Livingston versus Ross County and Dunfermline Athletic versus St Johnston. Meanwhile, Aberdeen women got back into winning ways against Kilmarnock women at Cormac Park. Three second-half goals from Eva Thompson, Bailey Hutchison and Lauren Campbell on Sunday secured the win to maintain our top-of-the-table lead in SWPL2. To stay safe during the pandemic, we need the right measures in the right places at the right times. So in Scotland, we're introducing new levels of protection from zero to four tighter measures where infection rates are higher and lesser ones where there are fewer cases. To see the level in your area and what it means, use our simple postcode checker at gov.scot. Stopping the spread starts with all of us. Okay, let's catch up with the news then. And in another injury blow for Aberdeen, Scott Wright will be out for six weeks to recover from a double hernia operation. Scott visited a specialist in Manchester last week and has now been confirmed that he will need an operation for the injury. SPFL Chief Exec Neil Doncaster and Aberdeen Chairman Dave Cormack reasserted their case for the return of fans to grounds on BBC Sports Sound on Saturday after First Minister Nicola Sturgeon in response to a letter from the footballing authorities that sport could not be given special treatment. Dave Cormack repeatedly pointed out that he is not asking for fans to be brought back in their droves in high-risk areas but a staged return in Level 2 areas. Cormack's frustration was not only at perceived inconsistency in allowing some indoor events to return, but also what he considers a lack of communication from the government. Both Doncaster and Cormack were at pains to point out that you are allowed to do certain indoor activities in Level 2 areas, such as going to the cinema or a shopping centre, despite clinical evidence that the virus spreads more easily inside. While cinemas are allowed to open, plenty of other businesses are not, including theatres and music venues. However, it is clearly frustrating for those within football that the government has prioritised some activities. On the other hand, the game has been given plenty of favourable treatment to date. The Premiership was allowed to return on time, which unlocked crucial television and commercial money for the clubs, while the lower leagues also got the go-ahead to resume without the need for testing at all. Given many other sectors remain closed to this day, it's not really correct to say football hasn't been given a level playing field. You can hear the full interview from the weekend at the end of this podcast. A seven-figure sum of television money has yet to be paid to the 42 SPFL clubs by the league because the company's accounts have not yet been signed off. The money is from the final payment of last season's broadcasting deal and has previously been distributed in October. In six of the past ten years, the figures have been announced before December. The delay comes as the Scottish FA estimate the COVID-19 pandemic has cost Scottish football around £70 million. As we speak, our DNA members have been treated to a virtual Q&A with Neil Simpson and Scott Wright. The Zoom call has been given the opportunity to members to hear firsthand about a range of topics at the club and the Youth Academy and given supporters a chance to ask their own questions. And it's been a big week for Andy Considine, whose wife Madeline gave birth to his son Arthur on Friday morning. Just 24 hours later, he was in the squad to face St Mirren to make his 535th appearance for the Dons, moving him joint fifth alongside goalkeeper Jim Layton. We'd like to pass on our congratulations to Andy and Madeline. And finally, Aberdeen Football Club will call thousands of supporters to check in on their welfare this Christmas as part of their still-standing free initiative. The calls team aimed to reach about 5,000 fans on the run-up to Christmas. The winter version of the campaign, Calling Home for Christmas, is aimed to lift the spirits of supporters and especially those who have been shielding or have experienced mental health issues.
Catch live audio and video of our next match only on Red TV. Subscribe now for full match day coverage, replays, highlights, and all the goals, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. Sign up now at redtv.afc.co.uk. The best of the action only on Red TV. We start December with a second visit to St Mirren in Paisley for our league match at 3pm on Saturday. There will be virtual season ticket and pay-per-view access to the game as well as live coverage for Red TV International subscribers. The AFC Donskath is offering the chance for you to send a Christmas message to fellow supporters who you haven't been able to meet this season at Pataudry, on the road and at away games, or a message to friends and family across the UK or around the world. You can send your Christmas messages by going to inverestreads.co.uk forward slash Christmas and all messages will be read out on our Christmas Eve podcast. Keep on listening. You can hear the interview with Dave Cormack and Neil Doncaster at the weekend at the end of this show. You can keep up to date with all the latest Don's news on our social media. Just follow us at Inverness Reds on Facebook and Twitter or on the website at invernessreds.co.uk where you'll also get live score updates and start from the match on Saturday. I'll be back next Tuesday with hopefully a league win under our belt with all the post-match reaction from the St Mirren match. Till then, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stand free. then to the ongoing issues uh, that uh, COVID is presenting to the game and the continuing push from various clubs and certainly from the SPFL to allow fans back inside the stadiums and also the the, the various um, other facets to this particular story that are ongoing right now. Joined now by the Hearts Chief Executive Andrew McKinley, the Aberdeen Chairman Dave Cormack and the SPFL Chief Executive Neil Doncaster. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Thank you all for uh, joining us. Hi, um, Richard. Hi, um, Neil. First of all, the um, you've sent a letter to the First Minister. You've um, reinforced the call to get fans back inside ground. You've pointed to the fact that uh, they're allowing it down south to an extent. Have you had any response as yet? No, no response at all. Um, clearly, the, the story's been given a, a boost this week by the news in England that there will be 4,000 uh, fans in uh, some stadia. 2,000 fans in uh, in many stadiums, so I think we'll see over 30 EFL grounds next week with 2,000 fans in them, and we're simply at 300 fans for Ross County, uh, Inverness, and Elgin City. Right, so but we you, need, you, we you, need say, a you say it's a boost, but in in terms of uh, this particular story, um, you're talking about a totally different country. Well, we are, but we're all in the UK, and uh, you know we, we are extremely conscious of the fact that in Scotland, unlike in England, where they have a, a number of other revenues, it really is about fan income. So, sixty percent or so of all income coming into the game is generated by fans. That's the highest proportion anywhere in Europe. So, we're totally dependent on fans coming back in, um, or in the absence of fans, funding from the government. And uh, unlike uh, other countries uh, where they've received direct funding from their governments. Uh, we haven't. Um, so you, you've got 300 million that has been given to English sport uh, from the UK government. The Northern Irish executive has provided 25 million recently to Northern Irish sport. Welsh clubs have received direct government funding, and our clubs have received absolutely nothing. Right. Are you continuing um, to press for that to change? What kind of response have you had to that request? Well, again, uh, we haven't had a response to the letter, uh, which is disappointing. 
uh, we are keen to engage. Uh, we believe that football can be not, not a problem, but actually part of the solution. Um, you know, we've, we've got uh, clubs that are in the heart of their communities. Uh, they, you know, clearly well-known stadia, large open spaces. We believe that in terms of rolling out the vaccine, uh, which is around the corner, that our clubs are at the heart of their local community and are the best placed uh, places to be able to help with the uh, getting that vaccine out there. So I've already spoken to a number of chairmen at all levels of the game in Scotland, and they are ready and willing and able to assist NHS Scotland in the rollout of the vaccine across the country. We want to have that conversation with the First Minister, but frankly, until uh, she comes back to uh, our letter, it's very difficult to have that conversation. Right, you, you mentioned there again, and you touched on this previously, asking for public money to help support the game. There's a million pounds sitting in the SBFL bank account. What's the hold up there? Well, we've got uh, the accounts for last season uh, need to be signed off, uh, like every other aspect of, of life. Uh, around the world, uh, COVID has caused uh, some complications and delays. So, you know, in terms of UEFA solidarity, that's normally paid out uh, in October and November. That's been delayed till probably closer to Christmas. And as soon as we get our accounts signed off, uh, then, you know, whatever fees are due uh, to clubs from last season, then we'll be able to pay out uh, any remaining amounts. But in the scheme of things, in, you know, a million pounds is, is frankly not going to be much of a solution. The UK government has provided an additional, that's an additional £6.5 billion, pounds, billion pounds to the Scottish government to deal with COVID-related harm. And Scottish clubs have seen none of that, not a penny. Right. I mean, we can all understand that, that a share of that would clearly make a big difference. But also a, a fraction or a portion of a million pounds would make a huge difference to so many clubs down the chain in the SPFL. What is the specific issue with the accounts? Why haven't they been signed off? Well, like everything else uh, related to COVID, you know, clearly uh, there are uh, complications in terms of uh, getting uh, deals done. So we've had a number of discussions with uh, overseas broadcasters in particular, uh, and clearly that's caused a, a slight delay to the account. There's no concern, there's no issue. Uh, it's just a question of going through the process, which is taking slightly longer than usual. Right, and I'm sorry, I, I not quite understand why those um, particular deals are affecting the accounts, which need to be signed off by the auditor. So it's, how are they specifically yeah, the, affecting things? The, the, the audit committee, uh, which I don't sit on, into, you know, it's good governance for the chief executive not to be on the, uh, the audit committee. So the audit committee, when they're ready, will present a set of accounts uh, to the board, uh, which the board, I hope, will sign off. And then at the point where those accounts are signed off for last season, uh, then any fees that are due to clubs uh, from last season will be paid out. Tom English. It's true, though, Neil, isn't it, that the auditor last week wrote to clubs uh, looking for information about their pay-per-view um, revenues. Uh, there is a million pounds sitting in the account. I know it's only a million. Um, it's not going to. It's not going to save clubs' future, but it's their money and it's sitting there, and they could do with it. And the auditor clearly has certain issues. I'm not saying this is, these are these are major issues, but he, the auditor clearly has issues with, with what's going on at the moment. Well, let's wait and see what the auditor reports on. You know, I think we've got to let the auditor do their work, let the audit committee do their work, and at the point where they're ready to uh, present a, a set of accounts to the to the board, then hopefully the board will sign those off. But you know, I don't really don't think it's any more complicated than that. Point in a time it's scale. A, it's a, it's a million pounds. Sorry, sorry, Richard, it is a million pounds, but you know, every pound is a prisoner, as, we, as we're saying here. You have a league with no sponsor as well. Every, every, you have a league with no sponsor of, as well. Every bit of money that comes in is absolutely vital. We've recently signed up with Papa John's as the official uh, takeaway partner of, of the SPFL. We're pleased to have done that deal. Um, I think, you know, we're clearly, uh, it's a difficult environment for all sorts of sponsorship at the moment. You'll understand that. But, you know, clubs need support. 
Uh, the UK government has provided billions of pounds in additional COVID-related to support the Scottish government. I really don't think it's unreasonable. How much were those uh, were loans, Neil? How much were those, those, those billions? How much were those were loans? £6.5 and none of it, as far as I understand, is a loan that's direct COVID support that the UK government has provided to the Scottish government, and none of that has been passed on to Scottish clubs. Do you have any sense no. that um, the, the government's uh, perhaps not responding or uh, not responding favourably to your request is down to the approach that football has taken, the fact that um, you have, um, you and others have been quite public in your criticism of the government and, and actually they feel there are more pressing concerns that they want to turn their attention to? No, I don't, don't think we've been uh, unfair at all. Uh, I think you know we've pointed out the slightly bizarre situation that you can, if you live in Aberdeen, which is in a level two area, then you can go to cinemas, you can go to amusement arcades indoors, uh, despite uh, Professor Jason Leach telling us that uh, outdoors was much, much lower risk than being indoors. So you can go to a cinema in Aberdeen. You could potentially watch an Aberdeen game at a cinema, but you can't watch an Aberdeen game in the uh, huge open spaces in the fresh air at Pitodry. Now, that, that can't be cinemas down to closed, a clinical Neil. judgment. Cin- cinema, cinemas are closed. In, in level in, 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 cinemas. In, in tier four they are, Tom, but not... Tom, please, Tom, Tom, listen. In level two areas, cinemas are allowed to be open. So you've got the bizarre situation where certain indoor activities are okay, but clearly it's much, much safer to be out in the fresh air, and yet no fans are allowed in other than 300 at Ross County, Elgin, and Inverness. And that that can't be right. There's an inconsistency there. If there's a clinical reason why it's the case, that's fine. But all we've done to date is to point out that these are clearly political rather than clinical decisions, for which we've received no explanation or justification. Can I, I, can, I, can, I just, can, can, I, can I just pick up on a few things here? The open letter that you sent out uh, the other day, Neil, you said our clubs have fastidiously followed every directive from your government to Nicola Sturgeon. Currently, Neil, two clubs are, on a charge, are, are being investigated on a charge of not following directives. There's been sanctions against Aberdeen and Celtic. Uh, last week, Neil Lennon and Derek McInnes called the SFA a shambles for the handling of the under-21 COVID uh, situation. Ian Maxwell has apologised. Fastidious? I genuinely believe, and, and Tom, I think if you talk to any club around the country, they are doing everything they can to ensure that the return of fans is as safe as it could possibly be. And if you look at the pilot events that took place at uh, Ross County and at Aberdeen, you know it's only 300 fans, but they were perfectly orchestrated. There were no issues uh, and all the reports from those games have been completely complimentary. Well, I'm so going to say just on that, the, the Jason... are doing everything they can to lay the ground, and yet we're not being told you know, what, what the route map is to get these fans back into stadium. Jason Leach, um, the, the National Clinical Director, responded to that actually earlier on off the ball, and he said that um, we don't know if it is the case that there were no cases to compare from those um, 300 fans because uh, we simply do not know where people contract the virus. It has an incubation period of 10 to 14 days. We can hear just a a clip of what Jason had to say. One of the problems with Stadia is not just the crowds. We investigated how many people you need at a Stadia for it to open at all, and then the number of people you need in order to cover it for TV and radio. And you get into hundreds pretty quickly, even without a crowd. Then you add the crowd. So you've got to work out how you do that safely. I meant to say earlier, in Mr Cormack's questions, which are very good questions, and he's, he's right to ask them, he doesn't know if there is any cases linked back to Stadia. Nobody knows that. You can't know where you caught the virus. 
and therefore you don't know if people caught it in public transport, caught it in their car because they were sharing with somebody, caught it because they were too close to somebody inside an environment that they didn't control. This virus has an incubation period of a week to 10 days, so you don't know where you got it. Right, that was Jason Leach um, talking earlier. mentioned uh, Dave Cormack, who had uh, various points to make on social media about uh, Jason Leach and, of course, is also uh, at the head of Aberdeen's bid to um, try to get fans back into the stadium. We've heard um, Neil outline uh, part of your case, I guess, there, Dave. Um, where exactly are you? What are the facts that you're presenting to the Scottish Government that you feel should result in fans being allowed back in? Uh, well, hi, Richard, and I appreciate you inviting uh, me on to the, onto the show. Look, here are the facts and the data, devoid of any sensationalism or scaremongering. The risk for clubs, and this will maybe take me a minute just to jump through, but the risk for clubs, as Neil said, is our number one priority. And I'll come back to why we want fans back in a minute. We have a tier system in Scotland, which is good. And as Jason, as, um, as Neil said there, we're not asking for 10,000 fans in Tier 4 or Tier 3. That's not what we're asking for. The current government position is that in Tier 1, you can have 300 fans. We've done that at Aberdeen. That's 1.5% capacity with outstanding feedback. And I'm going to counter Jason with this because he needs to look at our documentation. There are zero cases reported in our track and trace. And yes, it takes these 300 people to be self-reporting as well, but we are absolutely convinced that nobody, none of those 300, uh, got COVID as a result of coming to uh, Petaudry. So we're asking for Tier 2 limited crowds. And by the way, um, you know, I know Tom and I have debated this on the phone, it's important that we have a democracy here where we're entitled to ask questions of our elected officials. Debate is healthy. We're making public this weekend a 66-page operational plan for our next three home games. These plans are now, as of right now, with the Scottish Government. I think you need to review on sports sound. You need to review these plans and ask why questions, why cinemas, bingo halls, indoor trampolining, shopping malls, where yesterday thousands of people in around Aber uh, Union Square in Aberdeen are safer than our highly regulated outdoor plans. We are asking for Pitaudry, we're asking the government in this plan to start one-off tests, one-off tests, not carte blanche, with 5% capacity, that's 5%. And should it be successful, move to 10%. We have the full support of Aberdeen City Council, who put us through a rigorous process to get approval. And as you saw yesterday, we have our plans are endorsed by an eminent clinical epidemiologist, Professor Gary McFarlane. So let's talk about the fans. They, they're critical to our game. We ignore them at our peril. And let's not insult their intelligence about deciding on safety and precautions for them. Our survey showed 95% of our fans are ready to come back in a safe manner and adhere to our track and trace rules. 80% of them by car. Now, I'm not sure how many calls you guys have made or the Scottish Government has made, but we've made 16,000 calls mm -hmm. to our community um, in, in and around Aberdeen, not just fans. I've probably made a couple of hundred calls myself. We as a club hear fans every week, many who live for football, feeling isolated, anxious, lonely, depressed, 
And that's not being alarmist. It's real for us clubs. So the fans of all clubs need a voice. That's why I'm not giving up on them. Yes, it costs more to open up for limited crowds. But we as clubs must try and provide some welcome relief, joy and hope. And I listened to Jason on Off the Ball today. It was good to hear him agree that he said that stadia, like the plans we have just now, are more palatable than bingo halls, etc. He then completely deflected the discussion to scaremongering and with zero follow-up questions from Tam and Stuart. I think you guys need to get him on here, Tom, and you need to grill him. Jason also said, let me finish, Jason also said he does not make the decisions. Everyone knows the First Minister calls the shots. We want to be a good partner. We'll make Petaudry available to help with the distribution of the vaccine. So let's talk. Dave, Dave can, I, can I ask you a question? You made, listen, you made a, a compelling case there. And everyone wants to see fans back in, in stadiums for, for a number of different reasons. What do you think so far of the SPFL strategy to government? Well... I mean, well, maybe Neil can uh, just, just clarify that he's on the call himself because, I mean, I don't listen to stuff all day, every day. Um, I know that the, the approach that we're taking is the approach that Neil outlined earlier, which is that we want to talk with government. Do, do you believe it's, so? It's, it's an effective approach that they are putting in place. Well, listen... Given the result, given the lack of results so far. Well, Richard... We live in a democracy, right, in Scotland. And it's important that people, I like to say, say what they mean, but without being mean about it. And we are absolutely perplexed as to why we can't have conversations with the sports minister, the first minister, over what I've just gone through there, as you said, was compelling, Tom. Why on earth won't they meet with us to talk about that? Right, This alarmist approach from Jason of we've chosen um, universities and schools ahead of football. That's rubbish. We're comparing tier two bingo halls right, as being more favourable by the Scottish government to being in the open air with a 5% capacity crowd. I think, Dave, you should have been on the negotiating uh, uh, party to... To government, I mean, government will say you have an open line to to their sports minister. I mean, I would say, from my own perspective, looking at this over that since May May time, football establishment, establishment mostly through anonymous quotes attributed to senior figures in the Scottish game, have consistently battered government, have consistently accused government of being anti-football, have tried to get the narrative out there that the government is treating football unfairly. That's been happening since May, and the tactic has stayed the same. Anonymous quotes, stamping their feet, accusing the government of being anti-football. That tactic has not changed. It's the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. It's the very definition of madness. Now, one last thing from me, right? Scottish football, and it's important to say this, Scottish football got specific government dispensation to start the Premiership in August at a time when other industries were, were shut. A lot of other industries were shut. That unlocked Sky TV money, 25 million per season. It unlocked BT money. It unlocked BBC money. It unlocked pay per view money. That was a government doing football a service. Next, the Scottish government allowed uh, the Championship League 1 and League 2 to, to, to begin without any need for COVID testing. 
That saved the club's fortunes and allowed them to play. But you don't hear this from football. What you hear from football is, give us crowds. I'm not, I'm not talking about you, Dave, because you've been measured on this. Give us crowds. Give us a bailout. Our sport is dying. You're treating us like second-class citizens. You're acting politically and not clinically. Losing the argument time and time and time again. Tom, what we're asking for is a level playing field. Nothing more than that. The science is the same north and south of the border. And yet in England, we're having four or 2,000 fans across the country. It cannot be right that we are looking at simply at 300 fans. Neil, it's not across the country. It's not across the country. There's no, there's no fans in, in when, when 4,000 and 2,000 fans go in at Tier 1 and Tier 2 down in England. There's no fans in Man United, Man City, Leicester, Newcastle, Aston Villa, Leeds, Wolves, and a lot of other clubs. It's not across the country. That's incorrect. No, but, and you're right. So it's governed by three, the tiers. Tier it's a tier three, system. Tier 3 areas. Yes, that's absolutely right. But in Tier 2 uh, areas, so it's over 30 clubs in EFL, they will have 2,000 fans at all their games. We have 300 at three clubs. Yeah, but it's because... But because it's because it's because UK, but, you, but, you, but you say what's good for English, English football fans should be good for Scotland football fans. Do you think the there should time, be one... Do you, but, you, no, but do you think that there should be one COVID policy for all of the UK? Because that's what you seem to be saying. No, what I'm saying is it's the same science north and south of the border. And whereas in England we have 2,000 fans going into a huge number of clubs next week, we will not... And we have no route that back. Now, I'm delighted to see that the SRU have submitted a proposal to have 5,000 fans at Murrayfield for a club game on the 2nd of January. I think that's a, that's a positive move. It's responsible. And their approach, which, which we mirror, is that outdoor sport is safe and we are working shoulder to shoulder with our colleagues in Scottish rugby. We want the same for Scottish sport. So do you... So do you, do you I mean, the, S, the SRU plan is for... You're right. It's a proposal put to government in a quite a measured way, uh, for fans in Edinburgh. They accept that they cannot have, at the moment, fans in Glasgow. Would you accept that, that the, the Celtic and Rangers could not have fans right now? Tom, we have 300 at Inverness, Elgin and Ross County. No, but that, what, what about it, it's, that, it's what about, what about that Neil? We, what we, about well, that? we have to accept that there are some areas which are going to be higher risk than others. But Aberdeen is in a Tier 2 area. Yeah. They are not allowed any fans at the moment, but, but, but cinemas the, are. The vast majority of the bigger SPFL clubs are in Tier 4 areas right now, so you couldn't even contemplate having fans in, could you? Richard, but listen, this is Dave again. We're not asking for that. I made it clear there that what we're asking for is not fans in at Tier 4, Tier 3. We're looking yeah. for a, a constructive dialogue around getting fans in at Tier 2, for the reasons we've, we evidence there versus bingo halls, shopping malls, etc. And really to Tom's point, I think, Tom, what we have to do, this is an unprecedented situation we've all been through. The last few months is the last few months. We have to put this behind us, right? Nobody's perfect. But we want to work with the First Minister and be... And we are at the hearts of our communities, all of us. We want to be a partner. We don't feel we're being heard for the reasons I've tried to outline today. And I think these reasons are compelling. Right, you, I you, no, hold on, hold on. No, no, I no, heard. Yeah, you, they just don't agree with you. Right, okay. Um, I, we've got to hear from Andrew. We've been de- trying desperately to get Andrew McKinley in um, for the past 20 minutes. Uh, Andrew, you're far too polite. Um, the other two would just, just have jumped in there. Uh, look, you can hardly have taken over as chief executive at a worse time, I guess. Where are our hearts right now in the midst of all this? Um, and are you backing the calls that we've heard from Dave and from Neil Doncaster there? 
Well, I was keen to hear from Andrew. Um, he seems to have disappeared. Just checking next door whether we've got Andrew McKinley. Hello? Andrew, hi. Hello? Yes. Hello. You're How with us. You? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, good. Thank I, you. I have, I've been listening patiently and very much, for those that know me from my time at the SFA, I, I very much am a, a diplomat and, and, and definitely prefer the, the George Orr side of things to, to, to war war. Um, it's no surprise to any of you that for the last six months we've not really been part of the inner decision making um, <laughs> with, with the football board. Um, so whether or not diplomatic channels have been exhausted, um, I, I don't know. But I'd like to like to hope not, and I'd like to hope that the government will engage in discussions with the football authorities and ourselves on this subject. As you'd expect, the main issue for me is to look after the the Hearts fans and the Hearts supporters, and we have eleven and a half thousand season ticket holders who have been absolutely magnificent, not the, notwithstanding the fact we find ourselves in the championship. And all they're getting at the moment is TV coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to us, what we are really conscious about is when they come to renewing their season tickets, we want to be in a position that they, 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 they can see a way forward and that they are likely to be in the ground as soon as possible. Otherwise, it's going to be very difficult. Now, I had a chat with a government person this morning because, as I say, I'm not part of that inner group, but I've got my own links. And they do want to increase the numbers, but they just don't feel that it's the right time at the moment. And we can have that argument over and over, which is what we're having, but we have to keep having that argument with them and hopefully get to a place where they can increase those numbers. And it's part of that, Dan, Andrew, to the, the fact that they're less than happy with the approach that's been taken by the SBFL, by the authorities? I guess you'd have to have to ask them that. As I say, I'm I'm one of life's diplomats, and hope that uh, hope that having conversations can can get us to a good place. Right. So, is this essentially about? Um, it, it's about next season. It's about giving fans some hope that actually by the end of July, middle of July, start of August next season, that they will be back in reasonable numbers once the vaccine has been rolled out. So, is this more about that? Because there is no benefit. There's no financial benefit to any club to have a thousand season ticket holders in, you won't be able to open concession stands, will you? There, there, there will be no additional revenue. So, so it- I, I, think, I think we want to see a pathway, though. I think we do want to see, to see fans coming back in. You know, I mean, we are, we're all so privileged to work in football. And I think some people, we all appreciate this, but I think a lot of people don't appreciate people live to go to a game on a Saturday. It's the highlight of their week. I'm sitting here at the moment outside the Inderdrill Stadium kick off in four minutes. I'm going to be lucky enough to go in and watch a game this afternoon. Most of the heart support would kill to be able to do that, and I'm, I'm acutely aware of that. And so we need to give them some hope. You are right, it's about hopefully next season having full grounds, but before then we want to start seeing it ramp up towards that. Right, look, I, we'll let you head off and we'll, we'll let the boys uh, go as well. Andrew, we appreciate your time. Enjoy the game. Neil, just, just to finally, where are we now in terms of the because obviously it's part of the whole COVID thing, the, the um, investigations that there are, the inquiries into Simran and Kilmarnock and I guess other clubs as well, Albion Rovers have been affected, Clyde have now been affected. Uh, when can we expect some kind of outcome on those matches that have had to be postponed? Yep, you're right. St Mirren and uh, Kilmarnock uh, faced uh, uh, an investigation and a disciplinary procedure and there's an independent tribunal uh, with a, an independent legally qualified chair uh, who's chaired that and we expect them to be reporting back shortly. Uh, in terms of uh, Albion Rovers, that investigation has commenced and uh, no doubt we'll also be looking at the situation uh, at Clyde as well. It, it, it's enormously difficult for all the clubs, we know that, uh, and uh, it's vital that we continue uh, to do all that we can to make football and uh, to keep it as safe as it possibly can be. 
Um, you know, we do, it's operating all right. You know, we're getting the games away. Um, but, you know, clearly it's very, very tough for the clubs and uh, we're extremely grateful for everything they're doing. Uh, you know, all of the, the, um, the protocols that they're having to follow to get the games away. And as Andrew says, what we do need is a route map back to normality. You know, no one expects full stadia by Christmas, but we, I think, are entitled to expect a build-up, a gradual build-up, so that we can see the pathway through. You know, you've got huge open spaces, thousands and thousands of seats, big stadia, it surely has got to be safer than being in a cinema. Right, Neil, um, thanks for your time. Just, just one final point to Dave, um, similar to that which I posed to Andrew. Is this all about a pathway for next season, Dave? Because you'd actually lose money right now, wouldn't you, by letting fans back into the stadium? Yes, it's a good point and kind of one that I, I made earlier, which is that, um, yes, it costs more to have limited crowds in there than to have closed doors. But for the reason I mentioned here, and, and not a, a lot has been mentioned about this, what do the fans think? What do these guys think? As I said, we've talked to 16,000 of them, right? And we are clear about what they're, these guys are saying, right? Is that they're ready to come back. But yes, uh, the thing for us is that um, with these people suffering from isolation, loneliness, depression, you know, it's really tough for these people, right? And we are the guys that make the calls. We hear it. We feel it. We want to get them back in safe, limited numbers, and then hopefully with the vaccine, we're back to um, full crowds for next season. Dave, thanks for uh, your time. Um, Tom English um, joining us for that first part. Um, I mean, are you, are you getting any sense that there, there is going to be any softening in the government attitude um, to the SPFL, to the clubs and to these um, claims, these um, pleas that they're making? No, I, I, think, I think the SPFL, in terms of their negotiation in, in inverted commas, have uh, been really, really poor, quite aggressive, uh, needlessly so. Uh, I get the state scale of the of the crisis. I get the. Fa- I mean, we couldn't avoid it. We could. We, it's impossible to avoid. Since since May, we've been hit with financial tsunami, financial Armageddon, Titanic, grave peril, existential crisis. Every uh, practically every second day, it's serious. We get it, but I think there'll only be relaxation from a government's point of view when. The, the, when COVID is under under control, and when the tiers, when Aberdeen can change tier, when Glasgow can change, Central Scotland can change tier, the government have been absolutely consistent from the start. Nicola Sturgeon says she's not going to give false hope to anybody. From the start, she's been, and from the start, football have had an open door to Joe Fitzpatrick, the Minister for Sport. What they're trying to do now with the and I get it, it's desperate times, so maybe desperate measures are required. But they're trying to go above his head by writing this open letter uh, to Nicola Sturgeon, who, which she swatted um, uh, in Holyrood. I think parts of the open letter are, are one-eyed and, and disingenuous. I think, um, I think not appreciating what government has done. Obviously, there's a disagreement here. Of course there is. But to say that government are acting politically rather than clinically, is it's, it's, that went down like a lead balloon. So yeah. the tactics of the SPFL from the start here have been really, really poor. And they haven't advanced their cause one centimetre. Right, well, it'll be a story we'll continue, of course, to monitor right here on Sports and the Action, getting up and running today. That's all for this week. More Aberdeen news next Tuesday evening from 8.